Welcome back to this week's episode of the Tapping It Podcast with me, Daryl, and my good friend Ian. How are you doing, Ian? I've been better. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of a sombre mood this week, isn't it? Um, with the news yesterday. It was pretty bad anyway for us, both football results-wise uh, anyway, and yeah, the um, the Queen's passing yesterday definitely put a bit of a downer on uh, the rest of the week, so yeah, it might be a bit more of a sombre podcast this week. I think previously we've always had it where one of us has been relatively happy rubbing it in the other one, but I think we're both probably a bit low football results-wise this week. I was just going to say, I, I don't actually remember the last time that I was happy on this podcast. I don't really know why we started it. I just feel like the last few weeks, Leeds have been getting progressively worse. And my only joy is that you're also a miserable twat on these podcasts. So it's uh, I'm always a miserable twat, so not just on the podcast, but... Um... Joy for the people listening to this. We just uh, <laughs> sat there. No, no football to watch, obviously, this weekend. Unless you, you're watching... Uh, some Italian Syria or watching some Bundesliga, but obviously we'll get on to that. But yeah, instead of that, they can listen to these dulcet tones, and uh, I'm sure they'll get a, a real kick from uh, from listening. Maybe to Maybe we change our name to the Miserable Bastards and two Miserable Bastards, or one Miserable Bastard, one Miserable Bastard that can't pronounce footballers' names, which I, like, I appear to be. Let me up here, Mbappe. Are we happy now with that? Okay, I hold my hands up. Sometimes I speak a bit too quick. I get shit wrong, but uh, Mbappe. Mbappe. I will, I will there you try go. to make sure I get that right for the future. I'm going to say you'll make a lot. Thank you for the listeners for pointing <laughs> that out to me. That after we we did the podcast last week, you beat me at pool, which fucking pissed me off anyway. And then I get home and I get some shit uh, about that as well. So um, deserved to be Mbappe, honest. Mbappe, I think. Mbappe. I'm going to keep Very saying easy it. to say it. The one of the, the best. Young footballers in the world, and you can't pronounce his name. The only a quick point has your mind. This is back to the point we were that brought up the original Mbappe conversation was about Haaland. Oh, I don't know, maybe he's not that good. And then what's like 10 goals in a week or yeah. 20 goals at 25? Oh, sorry, no, no 25 goals at 20 games in the, the uh, Champions League. But again, we'll come on to that. Just a monster of a man. Um, Start with the miserable stuff, get it out of the way, just because I've got a lot to moan about this week. I'm sure you do too. Um, Don't we always? Yeah, it just seems like our teams keep conceding a lot of goals. Um, Start with Leeds, pretty poor result, I'll be honest. Not that I expect us to win. Um, I would have happily taken a draw away of Brentford. I didn't, (laughs) again, silly to say, I didn't actually think we played that badly. Um, there was a lot of decisions that went against us in the game. It doesn't help that we've got one of the biggest donkeys at centre-back in Diego Lorente at the moment. Just seems to have forgotten how to play football. Had a great first season for us two seasons ago. And last season and the start of this season has been absolutely atrocious. Um, at fault for three of the goals. On a less controversial note, though, you do apparently have... I hear this is not really argued the best Dutch centre back in the league that no one ever argues with you. So yeah, so the the story on the the back of this is I put a tweet out uh, a couple of days ago. It's got quite a bit of traction, quite a bit of hate, shockingly, in which um, during the Napoli and Liverpool game, and again we'll come on to that because that'll be a joy to talk about. Uh, Van Dijk struggled quite considerably, and I posted on Twitter that uh, Pascal Struik is the best Dutch centre back in the Premier League. Shockingly, Brighton fans didn't like that at all. Um, I got some abuse off Newcastle fans as well with Botman. Um, 
I, <laughs> it, it is a joke, don't get me wrong, but, but he's going to get there. And I, he's only young and he's playing left back at the moment. He is going to be some player. How old is he? Like 21, 22? 22, I think. Um, he looks class. I mean, I, I said to you, I thought he got a rough rub of the green last season when they were playing him at set defensive mid, weren't they? Rather yeah, than actually in centre back. Phillips, yeah. um, and it's a big change for someone. You can't. You, most players, if you're a centre mid, you might be able to play centre back. It's rare, and in fact, Bielsa was the only player manager I could think of that would stick centre backs in defensive mid. Yeah. That's not a comparable role. That is pretty hard to achieve. We well, do the flip side as well. He tried playing Phillips at, at centre back a few times, which never really worked, to be honest. But he's not a big unit, though, is he? No, he, he's big enough. He, it, Struick, we're talking about, not uh, sorry, Phillips. Phillips yeah. Is he taller than old Martinez? Being was he five <laughs> eight, and all the Ferrari around him not being tall enough, and uh, our discussions in the gym with a man you found who was telling say, us how yeah. good he was. Um, the best centre back in the Premier League, apparently, according to, to the the fine gentleman that we were speaking to there. But he's a big lad, so we didn't correct him. <laughs> <did we? laughs> I'm going to say I'd leave that one to you anyway, just swiftly. Um, yeah, so a lot of issues in that game. I didn't think we played too poorly. Centre back aside, and as I say, he was at fault for three of the goals. And if you get a chance to watch these three goals, most people have probably seen him on um, Match of the Day last week, but. If you get the chance to have a look at the, the faults of Urente, some of them are shocking. One, he runs out and leaves the ball and it causes Melier to have to run 30 yards up the pitch to try and tackle uh, Tony, who just dinks it over the top of him. And I felt really bad for um, Melier in that game because he didn't really do anything wrong and yet conceded five. Um, but stuff like pissing about the back, getting tackled, and then they just got stuff like that. The main issue that I've had with this game and it's been a recurring factor over last weekend's games, is VAR. Um, the penalty that, that gives them the first goal is very, very soft, to say the least. I think, I can see why it were given, don't get me wrong, but if that's given, subsequent penalty in the second half, or the penalty appeal, should I say, for Somerville, for us, should also be given. They're, they're absolutely almost identical basically if one gets given and the other gets given you can't complain at the first one being soft because the second one's soft if one is given and then the second one isn't given like what happened in this game you probably start kicking off as a manager and then get sent off a bit like Jesse Marsh did um, which still don't know what that red card was for I can only assume he said something that's a little bit more volatile than some of the other managers but the amount of times that I see Jurgen Klopp shouting at a fourth official or shouting at a referee when he makes a decision that he doesn't agree with to get absolutely no repercussion is nonsense I don't, I don't see how the red cards come but yeah VAR is the main thing there 5-2 loss is always hard to take <coughs> and it would have been nice to rectify it this weekend um, or, or this Monday but obviously no game now the, the thing for me with it it shows again uh, a feature of what we keep looping back to is the competitiveness of the league you lost to the same team by the same margin as the scum did. Yeah. Three goals, you know. Um, the problem is is that uh, Brentford, in the meantime, have lost some you know, some questionable games. If they carried on that form and they, they roll over Man U 4-1, they beat you by the same margin, that's not that bad a result. It's that inconsistency and the... the, the uh, anyone can beat anyone, as it as Did it Man U score in that game? I'm just thinking now. We're not 4-0. I thought it might have been 4-1. But maybe it's Either way, I, was say, I can't take joy out of losing by less. I mean, it's still a still a loss, isn't it, at the end of the day? But 
same margin that we lost to Napoli by. <laughs> Again, we'll come on to that. Stick all on VAR for now, um, because it lets me rant about this. There were so many issues with VAR this weekend on its own, and a little bit of, of backlash from it. A lot of people kicked up on social media, but then all of a sudden it's gone quiet again, which seems to be the recurring point. Whenever there's mistakes that a referee makes, and obviously VAR is brought in to, to rectify that, if that then gets brought to the forefront and a lot of publicity comes out about, about it, it then just sort of peters out, and it's like, oh, this is terrible. Anyway. It did, did seem a particularly poor weekend for officialing. Yeah. The whole reason it was ultimately brought in was to make sure some of these bad decisions didn't happen, and yet they still happen. Like, um, I... You showed me the Somerville penalty that you just talked about over a few times. The only thing for me, I don't know if this is official reason, uh, I said to you, didn't I? It did look like it could just be on the outside of the box if there was any question over whether it was, a, if you take out, was it a foul or not? Ugh, did it have one of those ones, rock, did it, it was his leg just outside the line of the box before it happened? Dicey one. But again, with the benefit of VAR, I'm going to slow it down, replay, look at that. They should be getting that right. I, I think that the point that I made previously there is that I get that it's soft and I get that it potentially is outside the box. I'm sure one of the rules changed in that if there's a foul that continues, starts from outside the box and ends up inside the box, it's a penalty. But the point that I'm making is it is very soft. It is just a shirt pull and then sort of nudges him in the back. I think he clips his ankles a bit. But that's more of a penalty than the Tony would. And I think if you give one, you have to give the other because of how soft they both are. I just can't understand the logic in... He doesn't even get asked to go to the screen. I think that's the biggest frustration for me. If he goes to the screen and says, you know what, I'm going to stick with my decision, I don't think it's a foul, OK, I, I, still, don't dis- I still don't agree with it, but I'm less inclined to kick off at it because it's a decision made by the referee. If you're saying on one, right, I think you should go to look at the screen on this, and then the second one, don't bother. Just get on with the game, it's absolutely fine. And I'm going to send your manager off in response. What's that, that comes about? down, doesn't it, ultimately, to this stupid, is it clear... That there's a mistake. You know, if it's not a clear error to go back and review it, they don't. Have, there's no obligation to. And it was pretty because of where it was on the line. It felt to me like it should have done. But I can kind. I can't, I'm not going to disagree with you, but I can. On the Somerville one, I can see more reasons why it wasn't given than the other one. But was it soft? Yes. Should they have gone to the screen? Yes. Even if they'd gone to the screen, would they change it? I don't know. But I think so, because the, the usual result is you go to the screen, it's going to get overturned. Because basically they're saying, go to the screen because we think you've got your decision wrong. They never say, just go to the screen and check it. We think you've got it absolutely spot on, but just waste everyone's time and go have a look at it again. Um, but it wasn't the only one, and it's not the worst VR decision of the weekend. Um, the West Ham goal against Chelsea Shocker. was... Just a joke, just an absolute joke. How that can was be the Newcastle one? Was that was the Newcastle were? one? Newcastle yeah. one was a Which, terrible one. Willock, wasn't it? If um, anything, that should have been given a penalty to Newcastle if you're going to disallow the goal. But it shouldn't have been disallowed the goal in the first place. It, it's just a constant stream of nonsense, and it seems to be continuing without any repercussions. And that's the biggest frustration for me. You'll, you'll see. All oh, right, he had a bad week this week. This referee put him in Championship. He'll have a good week because. No one really watches the championship of a um, you know, the higher Premier League standard, and then once they come back after a week of 
making no controversial decisions, put them straight back into the Premier League. It, it's just, for whatever reason, people don't police. I know that's to do with um, the officials and, and how they're monitored, but they don't seem to be policed as much as people like managers are or um, players who get retrospective bans and things like that. Don't disagree. I just think, is it kind of... Um... a sign of the way the world is these days that no one's ever fucking happy. Everyone has to moan about something. I know the whole point of VAR was to remove some of this moaning and um, that where there might be something on the line, it only seems to have actually created more issues and <laughs> yeah. problems, doesn't it, actually, the, the irony? But is that, again, because of the nature of the world we are, the access to, to social media and things that people have, that they just want to moan? So, again, is it just something... If it wasn't VAR, would it be something else? Would it be the refs that keep fucking up the decisions? Or even if they got it right 100% of the time, would it be something else? I mean, I can't remember the game now, uh, and that's bad on me, but we were talking about over the weekend. What was the game where the goal was disallowed? That was clearly a goal, and the vibrating thing didn't even go off. Huddersfield. How how on earth does that not work? And then they come out and admit, yeah, yeah, it was a technological error. We'll just... you're admitting it was wrong. You can't. You don't give them the goal. You don't order them to replay the game. That that that's that one for me was even more egregious than all of these VAR ones because yeah. that's a technological thing that's been around for a while. Yeah. And they've come out and accepted in a VAR in, in the same situations we're talking about. What would they say if they're like, ah, oh, we drew the line in the wrong place? Do you know what it was onside? Or yet yeah, we, we accept. What would they then do? So that one for me was out of a weekend of controversial decisions. That was horrendous. But I mean. It's not the first time that's happened either in terms of the um, goal line technology. The most controversial one happened a couple of seasons ago and it was Sheffield United. Uh, if you remember, Sheffield United had scored a goal and... Ended up keeping them up, doesn't it? It, it sent them down. Them down it, it, it was the opposite. It sent them down. I think it kept Villa up. Um, right. Villa up. But it was something like... I can't remember the exact excuse they gave. I'm pretty sure it was as simple as they just forgot to turn it on at half-time. And then they did do following the half, but... It was such a blatant goal as well, but obviously because there's such a reliance on technology. And there's, in all fairness, if you're a referee and you look at your watch and you think, I thought that went in, but I'm not getting a buzz, then why would you turn around and say, I'll tell you what, ignore the technology, which we've tried to um, rely on for, for a few years now, and give the goal. You're not going to do that. So, so here's a question. I hadn't thought of this. Uh, I'm, I'm freeballing here. What would have happened? I know there is no VAR in the Championship. What would have happened if there was VAR? Because it doesn't go off, but they can go back to the technology and they can call it hang on ref that's gone in I don't care if your watch hasn't been turned on or it's not vibrating that was a goal so if that happened in the Premier League and it didn't vibrate but you've got the ability of VAR in the fourth official what happens then? I couldn't tell you the official ruling um, you would hope that they would go back and say well, I that's don't think they would thinking about it now because it's not clear and obvious mistake or whatever would they? So actually Depends even in that case would they would they allow that to happen but yeah that that's an interesting Fuck up that I'm sure we'll see at some point this season. It'll but get there. it just occurred well, to me then why didn't they, but they don't have VAR in the, the championship. So sticking on VAR and we'll segue into... We're going straight the, to MMA, obviously. We'll, we'll, we'll segue into Liverpool and also the Champions League. Just because the Champions League... Um, so obviously we're welcoming back the Champions League and it's, it's been a, what seems like quite a while since it will last on. Obviously it's not that many months, but it was the first... As far as I'm aware, domestic football to test out the semi-automatic 
uh, VAR, which I was telling you about. Um, so this is the, the technology that's going to be available at the World Cup this year. So Qatar are going to have this. Um, it's essentially, so it's got 12 dedicated tracking cameras, and I am reading this, just so you know, I'm not... <laughs> I definitely don't Didn't go to show from a bit of octaves to a really flat deadpan um, voice in the slightest there. So, uh, 12 dedicated tracking cameras mounted underneath the roof of the stadium to track the ball and up to 29 data points of each individual player, 50 times per second, calculating their exact position on the pitch. 29 collected data points include all limbs and extremities that are all relevant for making offside calls. There was so this is this is obviously just coming to um, to play in the Champions League. There's already been controversy about it because there was a goal disallowed uh, for Chelsea using this exact technology, which it's not. That, I I think it is offside, but it's very close, should we say? And the technology looks as though it's accurate, and it looks more accurate than it would be than drawing lines because you've got essentially what is like a, a wall so it's like an invisible wall and anything sticking through that invisible wall is offside so it looks quite clever but it's very close um, and I think there was one in, in Leverkusen as well um, but yeah very very close and difficult to see whether that's going to be better or worse than the current VR that we've got should be better, shouldn't it? Based on this is one for me. We can get right a hundred percent. The line, the current system, when you draw that line that seems to have been brought in for the last few years, that can't be argued. Now you get a whole host of other arguments. Is the armpit for their point to draw the line, and all? Is it the heel, and all these not other random points? But for me, this is one that we should get right a hundred percent of the time, and there's no excuse for this technology. Difficult that you've got, and. This was one of the things, I think Arsene Wenger first mentioned it um, a year or so ago. There are some changes that you can still make to VAR. And weirdly, football seems to be significantly behind every other sport that does this. So cricket is a prime example of how VAR should work and should work expertly. Yeah. So you've got, uh, there's Hawkeye there, but very, very quick. Around, let's be fair, that's... Been around ages, yeah, years, 15, 20 years, maybe. Yeah. Hawkeye, uh, the snick, the snickometer, another good snick-o, use of technology. Yeah. <laughs> Great use on that. Uh, any doubt what's going on? Bang! You see that little vibration bar of sound? Boom! There's a snick out. It is literally as simple as that, and it doesn't take too long. It's just a simple process of right. Show me this camera angle. Let's watch it. I need another camera angle just to make sure. Put snicko on if you're going to put snicko, and then show the, the ball tracking. And it literally is as simple as that. So you can see whether it's LBW, whether it's caught, etc., etc. In football, it seems to be we're taking four or five minutes each decision, which I've no idea how that happens, especially if we're talking semi-automated now. And when it comes to VAR for offsides, the biggest issue that I've got is you're talking about the width of the line being debatable. You're talking about, as you said there, whether the armpit's offside, what part of the arm are you then measuring from. And unless you're getting a line that is quite literally millimetres wide, and measuring it off the specific part of the body, then it's up for debate. If, if it's, let's say, for the sake, I mean, we've got a ruler in front of us, let's say it's a 10 centimetre line. So that 10 centimetre there, you stick that, and then the other line is next to it, and they're bang on next to each other. But I think that anything touching or anything overlapping, you give the benefit of the doubt to the attacker, and then you could rule that out. I think it's probably smaller than 10 centimetres. I'm just looking at that. It's, it's quite big now, although... 
It's a weird thing to say, isn't it? We're talking about size and sense. I usually decide to 12 inches is about <laughs> where I, my, my uh, definition of big is. Um, but exactly that. I mean, if you put the two lines in the overlap, I think it is as simple as give benefit to the attacker, stop calling these stupid decisions where it's so close, but his toenails offside. Well, slightly off what you're saying, just sort of looping back around. One thing I do like about cricket, which I, I think would be a nice touch in football... I like the, uh, um, the the challenge a bit. You yeah. get one one challenge per game on a uh, decision. You know, like that would be brilliant in football. So, if, for example, the penalty, some of it was yeah. bang. Use your challenge, right? Go back, ref. Go and look at that. Bang, clears it up. So that would be something where again, you we could learn from other sports maybe and look to make things better. But that would be one thing that I think would be a nice benefit in these situations when you're saying the clear and obvious route for the ref. Give each team one challenge a game. That 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 would be that that some of the one would be the perfect. Well, I suppose if you were Leeds, you could have argued that you could have argued they'd use their challenge already on the Tony penalty. So yeah. maybe it would be irrelevant. But that's a nice idea. I like. I think we could introduce from another sport. How how have they been doing it? How can we learn? I'm always saying to you, how can we can always be better? I, every if we could just improve one percent a season. Everything, you know, decision-making, the speed we do things, will get there in the end. So continuous yeah. improvement. How can we always get better? And that would be a, a way I think we could straddle some of the rules from other areas, but maybe make football better. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the, the captain's challenge is a really, really good idea as well. I think the idea that... When you look at the Brentford game, just going back to that, I can't believe we've spent this long talking about Leeds getting battered 5-2, but... That means we're out of time on Liverpool, so <laughs> no, I have to we've skip got that. Time. Um, but if you look at that, the, the Tony penalty already goes to VAR, so no one has challenged that, no one wastes challenge on that. It's essentially a soft call, however look at it in terms of rugby league, it'd be a soft call that goes up to um, the, the VAR to make the decision. The captain challenge is really good because then Leeds would still have that for the Somerville and then, uh, the Somerville and then potentially say, right, review that. I mean, inevitably, you're going to get that and then the problems are going to be, OK, you reviewed it, we still don't think it's a penalty because then, you know, there's more controversy, etc, etc and you're never going to iron out everything but I still think that's a really good idea. Um, personally, I'm bored of moaning now so I'd like to hear someone else moan and the easiest way to do that is to segue on to Liverpool's results uh, this week. <laughs> Everton could have been worse. I mean, we could have lost... Um... Just poor, all right, and particularly after we were saying hot on the tails of Leeds playing them and how dog shit you thought they were in person. Um, they were probably the better team again. Sometimes you have to be able to look at this and, and be honest. We may have been lucky to get a draw out of that. We didn't play well. We are in a slump. Um, I'll come on to the two fucking people that I seem to have talked about every single fucking podcast, and I'm boring myself of Trent. Again, exposed in both games, and even Virgil. And um, I said I had a stat for you, so I'll whip it out now. Virgil conceded one penalty in his first 150 games for us. He's now conceded two in seven. So he... Declining. Is he... I'd like to hope it's just a a huge slump in form. Something's not right. He's... You you made a, a very good point that he can't play with Gomez. Him yeah. and Gomez this season seem a disaster. And one of the qualities when we first v- got Virgil was he made everybody look better. He could play with Gomez. 
His ideal partner for me was um, Matip when we first started. The one that I'm a bit confused seems to have, where is he this season, particularly when Gomez keeps being playing, is where's Kanate? I don't think he's injured. injured, I don't think he's injured, but it just doesn't... I might be wrong, I have to to check myself on that, but um, yeah, something's not right, as you say. And then Napoli, I mean, Jesus Christ, (laughs) the fuck we were doing at half-time, like, 3-0 down... Could have been seven. Uh, all over the place. Absolutely horrendous. I mean, again, Milner. We just getting exposed, looking a clown. Um, Mello as a sign-in. Um, now he's going to have to be brought in because now Henderson's injured as well. Um, Unless on... you've still got Milner. Hooray! <laughs> He'll save the day at 37. Um, but yeah, we, we're looking at a bad place at the moment, form-wise, confidence-wise. Um, I mean... I used to think of us as a bit of a, a Newcastle of old under Kevin e- Kevin Keegan. That didn't matter so much if we would concede three because we could score four. Salah is bang out of form, and every game that goes by, I think it becomes more painfully obvious how much we miss Mane. Not only his goals and assist contribution, but his ability to get stuck in and turn that wave of the crowd. You know, he'd often get a yellow in big games. He did get stuck in. And I've always been... The amount of times a good, solid, two-footed challenge can completely change the atmosphere and get the crowd going and, 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 and rile everybody up. And, yeah, I think each game that goes by, as much as Diaz is... I, I love Diaz. And, again, another sweet, long-range goal. We, we miss Mane. Um, and he's, he's he's doing well at Bayern as well. So I'm just having a look here. And uh, Kanate has been injured since the start of the season. <laughs> Yeah, it was injured. Super fan! Strasbourg um, in a friendly at the end of the July. He's got a knee injury. He's not expected to be back until after the trip to Chelsea. Well, whenever that might be. Whether it's supposed to be next yeah. weekend, but as we said earlier, we don't know if because of the, the Queen's funeral whether those games ahead next week will go. And a point I said to you, Liverpool are supposed to be playing Ajax in midweek. Champions League again. I, I'm guessing because that's Europe, it will probably go ahead. Which but is that, nonsense, isn't it? Really? That is in England. So that, that game, that's home home to Ajax. So that, that will be uh, a strange one. Now, maybe the way that we're playing at the moment, you might say that this comes as a little bit of a, a godsend to be, give us the time to regroup, Jürgen to get back on the training pitch, maybe some of those slight injuries to come back. So maybe this might do us, do us good. But um, at the time of recording this, everything, certainly we know tomorrow's games have been cancelled. We don't know about the following uh, weeks, do we? It's a bit up yeah. in the air. I mean, I'd expect that they'll get cancelled. I think this week's being cancelled is a joke, personally. I, I get horrible time for a lot of people, and a lot of people want to show their respects. I joke just, seems a bit severe. It, I, you know I my just, feelings about that? I've got pretty strong it, feet. And we can't go by. We're going to come back. It's like Trevor Sinclair. It, yeah, we'll come on to that. Um, we'll, we'll end it on a, another cheery note when we come back onto that, but... I, I think it's a joke not for the situation in the sense of what's happening, a joke in the sense that it's just football and uh, boxing, which we'll come on to, that seems to have been called off. You've got every other sport going ahead and it just doesn't make any sense. That no, that's, no that's a fair point. There's no rhyme or reason in that at all. And I think the best way, personally, I think the best way for people to pay their respects, a little bit like we said earlier, two-minute silence, just do with the black armbands, two-minute silence, everyone can pay their respects publicly then and it stops people... It's the logic of this country, I suppose, but I don't understand how us not having something that we would enjoy on a weekend as a usual 
have that taken away from you to pay your respects by sitting about moping around and not actually having anything to do what, what's that's for me that should be it's all or nothing and, and yeah. you make a fair point with the other sports but um, should be everything so I'm, I'm not until maybe yesterday or this week the biggest monarchist or even that bothered about the royal family but for me there's something a little bit wrong with you if you're patriotic and you're proud to be English, British, Scottish and you're not in some way a little bit gutted about the, 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 the monarch of 70 years passing. There'll never be another monarch that reigns that long and we've seen a lot of differences of opinions and I might be a bit strong here but that, as you say, it should be everything. Everything should be cancelled and if it was everything there couldn't be any argument but I can see your point that football and boxing, ironically, Two of the three topics of this podcast are cancelled. If we were rugby, talking about rugby league or some other sport, that would be continuing. That that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Is that down to popularity? I, I'm sure I'm going to annoy a few people. Who gives a fuck about rugby league? I do. I'm big Leeds Rhinos fan. It's literally on tonight. It's the only thing that's going to keep me going this weekend. But, all right, never mind. <laughs> Compared to... I, I, are the supporters as as as, as large and as virulent as, as a football and rugby league? I mean, I probably are. I'm going to probably get pelters for this and saying that. But uh, back to your point, I think you're totally right. It has to be all or nothing. And it should be all of it. And as you say, if we're trying to turn something positive, let's let people show their respects. As you say, even a two-minute... They don't even seem to like minute silences these days. It's this happy, clappy shit of a minute's applause. Let's make it... A two-minute applause. Let's do something extra, a bit special, because of who it is, and whether go back to the silence or just cancel them all. But I think you've got a fair point there. Of why just football and boxing? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not a royalist in the slightest, and it's not that the, the comparison being, and we don't want to get too soppy and, and miserable on top of the, the usual miserableness of this podcast. But uh, I think a lot of people are probably sad because they probably compare the death or seeing the death of an old lady to death of a grandma or something like that. And obviously, depending on your age, death of a, a parent. But, yeah, I'm not overly upset by the sort of the entire situation. It's not obviously a nice thing for an old woman to die. But I just I don't see the logic in no spot. I, I get you want to pay your respects. I think it definitely has to be, for me anyway, in the sense that everything continues with that respectful nature about it, rather than sitting there and being like, either as football fans are going to have to do and sit, in and sit on your hands all weekend, or just forget about it entirely. I'm not saying that, I think there should be a middle ground, but also, I just, what am I going to do this weekend is the point I'm making. What? All right, Trevor, <laughs> calm yourself down, and let, on that, let's talk about your tweet, Trevor. Um, that uh, Yeah, that is career suicide. I don't really understand. Again, on that basis, I'm not... A royalist, I'm not into the monarchy or anything like that. I'm not going to sit here defending them or, you know, that's complicit. We're going down politics and all that sort of nonsense, we won't do that. Which is definitely not yeah. for this podcast. Or even really either. give a fuck about. But, I just, why? Why? Why post it? I'm always a big advocate. People are entitled to their own views, and I would never say, I would, I, I, freedom for free speech, I'm a big believer in that. But, effectively let's call it out what it is he's effectively said don't mourn the queen because she's allowed racism to happen it's not her fucking fault what fucking planet are you on Trevor Sinclair and 
You showed me that last night, and I never, ever think this, because I hate cancel culture, and it's one of the biggest things about this whole society that I can't stand, but that man deserves to be cancelled. That was ridiculous, nonsensical. Um, I, I wouldn't quite say deserve everything he gets, because there will be some lunatics that will be giving him death threats and all of that. He's entitled to his own opinion, but... That's a fucking stupid opinion and mistimed more than anything. I mean, has he got any idea of the pulse of the nation? And how, Even if he said that in a fucking two months' time, it might be different. But on the day that the monarch passed, I just think was so out of touch with reality and what's going on that in some ways, again, you have to live up to your actions. He's made that. And again, you're my, my man on social media that feeds me this. He put it up. He took it down. So maybe someone got in his ear. Trevor, what are you doing? But put it back up again. So he deserves everything he gets. I just... Caveat not the fucking death I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> I've definitely got to be a caveat there. But I just... I don't understand the logic in it and the, why. I, I get a lot of people have certain opinions on social media. The majority of these sort of controversial opinions come from people tweeting from fake accounts or from... Unnamed morons with eggs. Yeah, I'm going to say That's it, yeah. a classic one. The only other thing, again, we're going to go off topic, but it seemed even more insensitive and inappropriate given the fact he's been charged with racially aggravated assault to a policeman before. I'm going to stay quiet on this subject because I can see that this is... <laughs> it's going to be one of these that's going to end up with you getting cancelled. And uh, it's the most... Oh, sorry, the least. Trevor Sinclair's fan club coming my way. But, um, yeah, maybe you're right. I don't, it, just, it felt insensitive and very poor timing. Yeah, I, I, would, I would definitely I agree with that. I think swiftly move on to... Uh, let's talk about something that um, I'm really looking forward to this weekend. Uh, the boxing? Yeah, <laughs> Clarissa Shields and uh, Savannah the Marshall. I cannot wait for this. On paper, the best women's fight ever and... Two of the three sort of pound-for-pound greats of female boxing, and it's been taken away from us. Yeah, cancelled. The thing that I find more intriguing on this one is how I believe it's been cancelled, in inverted commas, until further notice... They've got training camps. They're, you know, coming over from America. They were a hotel staying. What they, they, this is not one that you can just bump a week. So, provisional. So there's a provisional date of October 15th. Right, okay. Before. That's interesting. So it's about a month. Um, but I still feel as though, especially with how boxing works, a month is a long time for you then to go back potentially into camp. You're not going to sit on your ass for a month and... That can obviously throw you out of kilter with what you prepared for, and yeah, I, I don't think it's particularly fair on either of the boxers that are involved. But again, we're going back to the respectful nature of it and the arguments that we put in place, and this is why I think everything should have continued. With obviously, you could always do the national anthem. In fact, even more reason because you've had the national anthem there. You could have had American national anthem, and then you could have had. Uh, Which has obviously changed now. It's yeah, well, God but, save but the king going forward. We have to get used again, to singing that. I mean, yeah, um, but even more reason that you could have had that, and then that's the extra respect there. But it just seems they've decided to pull these decisions out of their ass, depending on what you've sport got to feel for the fighters on this one because this is not this is boxing. This again for, for people that maybe are, are less educated and maybe listening to us about football. There's a science to training camps. 
they 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 peak for the fight. That so they they have been training to peak for tomorrow, and now just saying right, let's boot it down a month. That completely fucks the whole camp. Mm. So it, it, it's very different to saying football. Oh, go back to training, skip a game, rearrange it. It's very very different. So they've got a, the really rough end of the, the stick for this yeah. one, and it could completely change the outcome of what could have happened tomorrow in terms of how they adjust to this. They, you know, you could argue that's an extra month time to get you know extra prepared fitness wise tune up you know particular skill or or, or, or punch that you know um you know sequence that they've been uh, combo they've been working on but yeah they're the ones i feel i've got a lot lot of sympathy for those two girls because that that as you said it's not as easy as just saying right carry on as you are move down to next week they're, they're, they would have been ramping up their training to peak for the fitness for tomorrow and that's gone completely out of the window now and it doesn't help to be honest that it's a, a really well-hyped fight. As you say, I know a lot of people um, aren't necessarily into women's boxing and it's not seen as uh, arguably as big as something like AJ and Fury, which we'll come on to, to shortly, but it's still one of the biggest, if not the biggest, women's boxing match of all time. Definitely I, the it's biggest. It's something that I, I personally am looking forward to because I can't stand Shields at all. There's something about a cocky fighter that I just can never get behind and I suppose this is where the Tyson Fury thing comes from as well but it would have been quite nice to see her get smashed to be honest I don't think either of the, the two boxers have had any significant challenges and I think that's why this is such an interesting fight in terms of the difference in styles because obviously a lot of people expecting Shields to box Red off and you've got uh, Savannah Marshall who's expected to potentially knock her out so uh, it'd be a really good clash and it seems to be finally that they're both going to get a challenge that they deserve. So, yeah, so there's a lack of quality generally, just on, on pure numbers in their divisions. You're right that they've, you know, they're both head and shoulders above most of their op- uh, opponents. And um, again, who are we? we? We are not professional fight commentators, sadly. But I think it's hard to argue that it would it was going to be the biggest women's fight ever. Um, Really, said so really looking forward to it, and I think the other point which we like to have on these things, we also had a little bit of a, a difference of an opinion. I think I, 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 did, I, I, I was because uh, we fight, we agree far too much apparently, but um, we, I, I was, I, I fancy um, Shields in this one. I think your money was going on on Marshall, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. I, I actually think that she'll knock her out. Um, my excuse, if she doesn't, is that she would have knocked her out. If it had been tomorrow, but unfortunately it's been pushed back a month. I'll steal your excuse, so I'll be able to say <laughs> that, but we'll pick this up one then. But that'll be interesting then to see, so it sounds like that might be going ahead mid-October, so yeah. we can always pick that up. Um, AJ other, Fury? Yeah, I'm going to say two other big ones uh, that I want to talk about. AJ Fury, so this seems to be getting closer, but how many times have we said this? Um, obviously AJ coming back off two comprehensive losses, uh, never really in those fights which we talked about previously in the um, previous episodes. Fury obviously riding the wave of no one can beat him, looks to be by far the best uh, fighter in the division. Obviously, the, the Usyk fight is available eventually, or should be eventually available for us to see whether that's true or not. Apparently, sixty forty split, which I think is generous from from Fury. If that's the case, I think um, AJ's stock is obviously significantly lower at the moment. Doesn't have anything to bring to the table other than his star power, essentially. So he's still a big name, still a, a very good boxer. 
and I would still back him to beat Fiore, which is obviously ridiculous Never, to say these days. Ever happening. Um, current ways but yeah Fury boxes his head off and probably knocks him out in about the 8th for me do you Easy. see this fight happening though I, I, I didn't because I don't think anyone was interested in it after he lost to to, um, to Usyk and, and that for me was the fight all day uh, I understand the reason that that's not going ahead is Usyk said that he don't want to fight again this year yeah. sounds like Fury's in you know in that mode he's Finished his, you know, his training camp. Maybe he just wants to carry it on, like we said, rather than take a rest. So he wants to fight quick, quickly, which is ironic when he fucking retired only a couple of weeks ago. But um, I mean, as an Englishman, who don't want to see him both fight? Stick it in Wembley, ninety thousand. Let's fucking have it. That would be. It wouldn't not quite as hyped as it would, would have been maybe a year ago or eighteen months ago when it should have been made. And of course, at that point, it would have been for the undisputed as well. Yeah. So that that's a big loss for me. Is that you'd lose that now. I think it would be for one. Is it's, it's WBC that he's got Fury still yes, got that hasn't given up the ring. He gave up the ring. Yeah, weirdly kept the WBC. Technically, what? he would still be, and it's by name only, but he'd be fighting for the lineal title basically, which is obviously what uh, Fury has said that he's um, he's been a lineal champion ever since. Uh, which, yeah, ever since being Klitschko. But I think they said it was. Um, Apparently booked in for the Prince Palace Stadium, so this is, which is weird for me. I, I get that it's a massive stadium, but I agree with you. I thought this would have been Wembley. The only reason that I can think that it wouldn't be is to avoid any clashes with whatever might be around that time. I know that it's. I think we said it was the day before the World Cup final was the provisional day. Yeah, see, that seemed a bit of a weird one. But as I said to you, Prince Pilate Stadium or Millennium Stadium, as most of us seem to know it, I couldn't believe that that had changed in 2016 and shown my age here, but I've been there for a boxing match. I said to you, I saw Kawasaki Kessler won there with a few of my boys a while back. Fucking tremendous place to watch a fight. The only thing for, for us for that fight was it was on American time. So the main event was at like two in the morning and we'd been out smashing it in Cardiff. So it was a bit hard to stay awake 10 beers deep by that point. But good venue, uh, had the roof over, had the big screens up um, so you could see all the angles. Very, I've been to a few places, O2, uh, MEN for, for, for some big fights. But um, Prince of, uh, Millennium Stadium's good. So I think it's not a bad choice, but... The obvious one would clearly be Wembley. What's the logic behind having a fight at two AM in Wales? I get that it was on Amer- American time, so because it was on, it was for American TV. So whatever, I think it was Eastern time then. So two o'clock is like say eight or nine o'clock in American time. That's ridiculous. But in our, like, why don't they just have it in America? Do you that. tell me, man. Honestly, no, this no. was. I, I, we'd have to look up what the date. Well, I can't even really. Two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight. Maybe we're going back here, but. That was a hard one. Out on the source with, with okay, your mates, so and then to stay up for that was a struggle. But brilliant fight, absolutely brilliant. This is a weird, yeah, really, really weird. I've never heard that. Um, I can't understand the logic at all. I wouldn't. I just said that. I think it was just for the, <laughs> the, for the American smash. audience. I don't don't really know what I get, whether it was Showtime had the rights instead of Sky or, or something like that. Um, weird. Um, the only other uh, bit of boxing that I did want to talk about, just sticking to. Uh, talking about belts, um, Canelo and GGG trilogy, so the third fight. Have you seen the Jaguar Warrior belt? Well, I was about to say to you, you, you mentioned this to me, if I'm not mistaken, it's not, is it not called the Guerrero Jaguar Zopateca belt? It is, yeah. 
also known as the Jaguar Bell. Everybody knows my pronunciation is not the best, so I may well have got that wrong, and apologies if I did. Looks relatively fancy. I mean, it's a good fight. This one's gone under the radar. Both Ugh. Triple G has seen better days and has gone quiet. This one, for me, is a bit... I'm going to go over the top a little bit here. Both of them, this is like Ali Liston. In that they've, they've taken a bit away from each other in those two previous... Certainly Canelo's taken something from... GGG's never been the same since those two fights. And um, is Canelo less so? But they beat the shit out of each other so bad, I'm not sure either of them was the same as... I think that's one that's so tough, the two of them. Such big hitters and the power. Certainly Triple G's never been the same after those two fights. And how... what. Alvarez is obviously 2 no up. Mm-hmm. One of them, outrageous. Triple G, definitely. Now, I forget if it was draw. the first or the second. I think, I think it was draw. a draw. You might be right. Maybe it was a draw, and then Canelo won. Yeah, Canelo but definitely won the second one. Triple G definitely should have won the first one. Yeah, but, as you say, that, that was ropey uh, judge, judging by a long way. So it sh- and, and let's be fair, most times it's hard to, to get some clamour for a trilogy when it's... Um, you know, 1-0 or 1-0 and a draw, and it's been very convincing. They were both pretty close fights. So it's easy to see why as a trilogy, and I think this is one that's a bit of a sleeper. It'll be a great fight. Yeah, I mean, it's not this weekend. Not that any sport is this weekend, but, um, yeah, it's definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, close it off with UFC, because I know that there's a, a main event that you're quite looking forward to this weekend. I'll be honest, I kind of missed all of the melee at the weigh-in um, with with it all kicking off and actually I'm having to cancel the weigh-in because of the ruckus is uh, going on. I think there was maybe one ruckus, so I understand that security was dealing with that and then there was other ruckuses going on and uh, Dana White called it a shit show. <laughs> um, what do you expect? It's what Niaz, Nick Diaz does. Has there been many fights he had where there hasn't been a ruckus in the, in the weigh-in? They were throwing bottles and shit against McGregor. That happened. So t- to me, it should be no surprise. And actually, the UFC should have probably thought of this and put on extra security. To, to, to It's not a surprise for me that this is this has happened. Um, just to chime in there, that's just to everyone listening here. A UFC expert getting the wrong Diaz there. You said Nick Diaz? Oh, I did ask him. Oh. Well, sometimes oh. I'm wrong, I pronounce shit. Oh. I get a lot of shit wrong. I don't know. <laughs> but um, it, it, I mean, I saw from the videos that whilst I might have missed some of it kicking off, Nick put on a few pounds. It, it doesn't look yeah. like he's been training triathlons like he used to. But um, last fight on Nate's contract, um, he's just shows what a gangster he is. I bet you everybody has been who's been offered Kimaev has rejected him. Diaz is fucking bring him on. I'll take him on. Kimaev looks. Good, real prospect, but people sleep on exactly like they did with Conor McGregor the first fight. And again, arguably, probably should have lost the second fight. Um, he, he, he's in to be a big name to launch Kimaev's career and for him to build off and be a blockbuster. He could easily wreck that. Nate Diaz is not, Nate is not to be slept on and could easily spring a surprise. He looks like the few wars he's been in has taken out of him a bit. He's not quite the fighter he was a few years ago. Uh, and I always think with either of the, the Diaz brothers, what kind of mood are they going to be in? If they are fully motivated, full camp, um, they are exceptional. They're too tough for their own good in a lot of ways. And sometimes they'll be like, fuck it. 
take shut fights on short notice, not do full camps. I know Nick's last fight, he thought he was injured against Robbie Lawler and it was a bit of a shit show. They're too tough for their own good, but um, prediction from you? Where do you see that one going? This is one where I have my own uh, Mbappe moment, but I'm going to say Chimaev to win. I think he'll knock him out as well. Um, He wasn't too convinced in his last fight. That's the only worry that I've got. Um, just, Does he believe his own hype? Is he getting yeah. bought into his own hype? It's always a worry for someone like that. It's, again, sometimes you hear the, the 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 trailers and the promos. I think there's better prospects. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I've heard Dana White saying he's never seen someone like him. He's exceptional, the greatest prospect. I mean, some of the, these other um, sort of Dagestani and, and, and Russians from a different breed of people. What they go through, and at the moment. You know, you'd obviously, um, Nurmagomedov is, is Khabib is, is retired. He's training people. Um, Makalev looks phenomenal coming from, from, from his protege. And there's two or three others that I don't even dare pronounce because I'll get them wrong. <laughs> but there are some exceptional fighters coming out of there at the moment. And um, I probably agree with you. If I'm, I, I think Kamayev will win. But it may not be quite as one-sided demolition as people think. I hope not. Um, but it does seem to be billed as sort of the end of... And I get it's the end of his, his UFC contract, but a lot of this is the end of Nate Diaz, essentially, isn't it? Um, He'll get a fight somewhere else. He'll go to... I saw... I don't know if, uh, um, Thiago Santos. Did you see this one yesterday? So he got released from the UFC, signed with the PFL. Um, they are offering pretty good money. For, for people going out of there and the league format that the the PFL Professional Fighters League uh, is is a uh, is a tournament style so um, the winner of each wage each weight bracket sorry gets a million dollars so there's there's big benefits there one going slightly off track here but one interesting thing I thought about uh, the PFL is they've got a lot of former UFCs that they, where they play people that they get to that stage where maybe the UFC doesn't want to pay them what they think they're worth the exact person I'm talking about is Anthony Pettis. So Pettis is over there now. Was again held the lightweight champion at one point. Obviously, the Showtime kick off the cage, uh, incredible. All those years ago when he when he held the WEC belt before the UFC bought the WEC out. Um, but he said that fighting in that tournament scenario is tougher than anything he's ever done UFC wise because of the grind on your body. For you just fight camp straight into another fight camp. You don't have time to heal up. So. Tiago Santos is a murderer at 205 pounds. To say, at one point was building, uh, lost uh, for John Jones for yep. the, the two, uh, 205 title, got scored, and I think he's one and four since then. So he he's on the slide, but I suspect he'll do pretty well. I'm glad you mentioned former UFC fighters because we nearly went a full podcast episode without me getting to mention your favourite subject. Of YouTube boxing. Do you know what though? Fuck it. This time I'm actually going to let you say about it because this time shit is on. Well, I this cannot, is Anderson Silva is going to beat the living fuck out of him. Ooh, I hope so, and I, I would no be doubt about him, it. But you just get the feeling the way that he takes these fights. Um, and for anyone listening that hasn't seen this, this is uh, Jake Paul has announced that he's fighting Anderson Silva. Um, but you get the feeling that he only takes these fights that he thinks he's going to win, which is, is very worrying for me that he thinks he's going to beat Anderson Silva, who seems to be doing quite well in the boxing. On paper, he's a 45-year-old guy. When he left the UFC, sadly for... I mean, ask my missus. I 
loved Anderson Silva. That was at the era when the UFC was just coming along. I've never seen anyone fight like him. You know, it was like watching someone in the Matrix. That there's that, 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 that you know when he, he, he a couple of fights when he beat uh, Rich Franklin that I remember watching when he, when he his, his debut against Chris Lieben just looked on a different level. The only person striking I've ever seen come remotely close to Levan Anderson Silva is Adesanya. Ironically, both at one eight five. And obviously, that was one of those passing of the torch moments when Adesanya beat Silva, who was on the slide. But I think Paul's underestimating Silva. Last Silva's last boxing match, he beat a former professional boxer. I forget the guy's name now. I shouldn't. The Mexican um, Cesar Chavez Jr., who's a former pro boxer, and Anderson Silva beat him with four or five professional boxing bouts. So finally, I think Jake's bitten off a bit more than he can chew, and. Silver has got some expectations and a heavy burden on his shoulders to make sure that he beats the fuck out of him for all of us in the MMA world that are saying, right, this boxer MMA shit's got to stop, beat the fuck out of him. Question for you then. What if Jake Paul wins? Oh. This, if this fight was for tomorrow, the fucking week we've had, I'd tell you now it would happen and I'd have to eat my words, but... I don't see a way that he can win. It's this is just question. experience. It's not the question. That's not the question. If he wins, are you going to then start thinking, actually, <laughs> the sentence is horrible, so Jake Paul is the real deal. No, because he's, he's fighting a 44-year-old former MMA fighter. So he's not, the, real, the real deal would be, I don't recall exactly what weight he's fighting at. Is he 175? Something uh, like that one. All right, well then, now you've fought a load of professional former MMA fighters, now take a fucking pro fight. Then let's watch you get the fucking shit kicked out of you. So, I, I, don't, I, I don't see that happening. I think Anderson Silva restores normality in this one and sends hope through that little weasel off back to his fucking YouTube doing shit and, let, let, you know, we don't have to ever talk about his fucking name again. I can see him, personally, if he does win, obviously a big if, big if and uh, touch wood uh, on that, but if he does win, just coincidentally, obviously, with Diaz's contract going to end, I can see that, because there's been a little bit of bad blood before, they would obviously have to compromise in terms of the weight, but I could see that. Bad, bad match-up again for Jake Paul. That. Now, the, <laughs> the, th- the thing with Nate there is... And to some degree, you could say this about Anderson Silva, less so, more, more so with Nate, is Nate is a volume striker. Not pitter-patter because his punches hurt, but he's not a one-punch knockout artist. He's going to beat you with movement. He's going to be laying twos and threes on you all the time. Um, so I, I could definitely see that because there has been bad blood, but maybe maybe that's the way. Maybe he does, I hate to think about it, if he beats Anderson, maybe it's then it falls on Nate to finally bring order, but... I'd back either of them to fuck him up. It's either that or he ends up with the, the KSI mega fight at Wembley and uh, we can go down to watch it. And with a load of 12-year-olds <laughs> paying £10 on their streaming shit to never watch a boxing match. Yeah, that I would not want to go to see that and the people in the crowd should be ashamed of themselves <laughs> for paying money if they're real boxing fans. But that's the point, let's be fair. He, we, we, We've kind of said it before, hate the player, not hate the game. As much as I cannot stand that motherfucker what he's done to promote himself and play that heel and do it, fair play to him. And yeah. I buy into it as much as I, I hate him. When you take that step back, I have to take my hat off as to how he's done it. 
you, you, you can hate him all you want. He's making bank with his fights, and he's getting he's got somewhere nowhere where he should. And to credit where credit's due, he's clearly training hard. Mio, you just couldn't step into a ring like that. He's clearly putting a lot of time and effort into his training. He's probably paying a fortune to our proper trainers and Shannon Briggs helping him out. Let's go, champ, in the corner. Oh, but God. if I had that kind of money and resources to throw at it, maybe I, I could be a, a close to a, a YouTube boxer as well. But as, as I say, the, the slight element where you've got to give him a bit of credit, but let's hope Anderson snuffs him out for good. Yeah, and on the note of you impersonating Shannon, uh, Shannon Briggs, I feel like this Let's might, go, champ! might be a good time to end this episode, so... Uh, yeah, thanks very much for listening as always, uh, and uh, we uh, will post some more of our bets on social media.